Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I'm very excited to have Nicole Payson on the show. She is the co-host of the Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole podcast. You can grab it on Apple Podcasts, you can grab it on Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll put the link in the show notes as well. But Nicole and I get into a fantastic conversation about raising inclusive children, build, how to be a better ally, about um, some intersectionality within the queer community, uh, where we as a society. There's a lot of great topics, all very relevant. I think you're going to find a lot of value from. Be sure to go check out their podcast, again, coming out with Lauren and Nicole. And I'll be right back with my fantastic conversation with Nicole after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm so excited for this. Uh, she is the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to all the time. Uh, her name is Nicole Payson, and she is the co-host of the show, Come, Come. oh my goodness, I can't talk. I'm so excited. Coming out with Lauren and Nicole. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I, I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if he's going to call it coming out with Lauren and Nicole or coming out pod. And then when you stumbled, I was like, I wonder if he's if he didn't know which to do. Because, that is accurate. Um, the, yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, so our, our podcast has now become sort of known by both. Uh, right. the, the technical title is Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole, but we're at Coming Out Pod on everything, so it's just a shorthand. Right. Yeah, it, makes so. it, <laughs> it makes it super easy. Um, it's, yeah, it's yeah. super complicated. Well, why don't you just take a quick five-second uh to kind of high level for those who are not aware of the podcast, what the podcast is, kind of in a five second nutshell. I can totally do that. Uh, <laughs> on, on Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole, uh, we talk to queer folks from all walks of life and they tell us the tales of how they came out to friends, family, and the world at large because who doesn't love a coming out story? Exactly. <laughs> what I love about it is that it is all about promoting being your authentic self 100% of the time. And in fact, today's sponsor is all about that. So, um, Nicole, I know you love being your authentic self all of the time. I do. And uh, much to my mother's <laughs> chagrin, but yes, I do. And I could imagine you like to wear clothes that empower you to be your full authentic self 100% of the time. Always, yes. Well, perfect. Well, Snuffy is today's sponsor. They are a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. And 10% of profits go to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. So shop online now at Snuffy.co. That's Snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. And if you like the Detox logo, both the regular one and the Pride Month exclusive one, uh, Nick Silvestri designed those, and it is his company. So go support him. He's fantastic. He's amazing. Snuffy.co. So check it out. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. I'm going right after this. Yes, yes. It is. <laughs> yes. He's fantastic. Um, one of my very good friends. So I'm always happy to uh, give give a little back when I get a little. So it, well, that came off a little weird, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew where you were going. Don't <laughs> right, worry. Right, right. Um, well, I'm really excited to dig in. There's a lot of different topics that I want to kind of go over. But this podcast is all about um, educating and empowering people. So 
predominantly, I would say the majority of people that listen to the podcast are probably uh, white or young white um, couples who are trying to be more engaged and active allies to raise a more diverse and inclusive world. And they want to know resources and hear stories and perspectives that they're not really sure uh, or that they wouldn't normally be exposed to. So they kind of come here to quote unquote detox from life and get that perspective. So um, that's why I'm excited to have you on. And I know I'm going on a little bit of ramble, but coming out pod, I guess we'll call it for this purpose. Yeah, it's yeah, shorthand. Let's just do that. Right, right. Um, has been on a list that I've given to a lot of both listeners and friends as well when they want a perspective of the LGBTQ plus community and really get that focus on people's coming out stories. Because what I love about the show is that there's such a wide variety of different stories. I know I was starting to tell you when we were offline uh, was uh, I was recommended uh, your show to your show was recommended to me from a very dear friend about a year ago. And the first episode I listened to, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was this uh, it was this guy who he was very young, I want to say 15 or 16, and he was talking about his sexuality. And I was just like, how can one be so confident at such a young age when I was a wreck at that age, uh, arguably still, but I was just very impressed. So I'd love for you to walk me through the origins of the podcast and maybe a little bit of that story specifically, and then we can go in a couple different directions as well. Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I, there could be a few people you're talking about, but I think I know who you're talking about. Okay. Um, because he was just he's a ridiculously impressive human. Um, <laughs> especially for being as young as he is. Um, so the the podcast, the origin of it, my co-host Lauren Flans actually approached me with the idea. Um, she and I both facilitate at the Los Angeles LGBT Center, okay. and um, yeah, we're, we we facilitate uh, social groups there. So any thing from like the you know the bi social group which I do quite a bit as I identify as bisexual um to uh the coming out groups to men's group to trans group to all all the things under under the rainbow um right. and Lauren uh was facilitating and still does facilitate uh the women's coming out group quite a bit and her feeling about it was that these women mostly just wanted to hear other people's stories that they were a point of comfort um and that it made them feel less alone and more empowered to come out right. just knowing they weren't alone and you know lauren comes from also a performance background as an actor and a comedian um and she she and i met actually doing a reading of a play so you know when we reconnected and she had this idea she was like have you ever been interested in doing a podcast and what would you think about this <laughs> right. and at that point it was like the the stars aligned because um, I had actually just sort of wrapped up uh, a couple months previous my YouTube channel, okay. uh, which I had I ha had for a while, but never seriously pursued the way that like YouTubers do because, well, that just felt exhausting to me. Right. Um, <laughs> but the other reason that I didn't is that what I found is I was much more interested in actually sitting down with people and doing interviews mm -hmm. and what my videos started becoming were podcasts that you could watch. And right. I was like, I should just do a podcast. This yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when Lauren brought it up, I was like, oh, this is, this is brilliant. And I, and, and it was like the, 
the seas of the internet parted and we got our handle right away. We found out that there wasn't anything out there like our our idea or that at least had lasted. Right. Um, and we were shocked about that, frankly. So we just kind of got in a niche and ran with it. Um, so yeah, that was that was the idea. And then we figured out together what the format would be and how we would uh, run conversations and the kind of guests that we wanted to have on and, and such. So yeah. I absolutely love it. It's um, it's just it's very empowering. I mean, there's no real other way to say it. In that you just like I there's like I don't know there is um, there's like a little bit of um, oh I'm just struggling a little bit over the words. But I guess it's there's a little bit of um, I almost said drama, but I was trying to find a better word. But there's a little bit of um, you know I guess you know I should back it up and just say I think what I absolutely love about the human experience is there's a lot of shared experiences and then there's a lot of unique experiences. And so I'm Mm -hmm. infinitely fascinated on where one, uh, where we converge in that line and then, and then diverge. And, and I think you see a lot of similarities in folks coming out stories, but then you also see some, some different perspectives and some different journeys as well. And, and something that, you know, I'm always walking away from the episodes with this this outlook of you know we're we're gonna be okay and despite especially with right now with everything going on it's nice to have the thought of you know we've been through this we kind of we're going through it we're still growing we're still evolving we're still in the thick of the the fight and the struggle to make a better world but I think at the end of the day, we have these little wins and we have these little positive experiences that connect us and empower us to kind of go to the next step. Yes, absolutely. I could not have put it better myself. I mean, I think that's the beauty of storytelling, right, is yeah. that balance between the universal and the specific. Um, I mean, it's why I have been in some in different facets a storyteller since I was very small right? Uh, because I, I just... I see the power of storytelling that way to be able to to see yourself and also get a different perspective. Right. Um, so it's uh, sorry, my my dog in the background. If you're good, you're good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, recording out of home. What do you right, do? Exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but but exactly. So that's that is part of what we are always looking for in these stories is you know how can we make our audience members who are largely under the queer umbrella um feel less alone yes. and therefore empowered to be themselves and live their their authentic life right. and also how can we educate the people who listen who are outside of the uh the umbrella which more and more people i talk to who listen are come from that standpoint sure. and have said that it's been a really great educational tool and like you said and um, so kindly you know have shared it with people for yeah. that and to me that's just that's just wonderful because we're also not just presenting one version of what it is to be queer right you know right we really try to bring in a very diverse swath of people with you know everywhere ranging from like difficult and tragic experiences to totally joyful celebratory experiences and everything in between right you know exactly there was um um the episode that was um i believe i was thinking of that really resonated with me i believe i was going back through the episodes i was listening to i believe it was episode 74 with gerson uh gerson yeah yeah uh uh 
And it's funny. I'm like now because he's a friend of Lauren's and it's been a while. And so I'm like, is it Gerson or Gershon? And I, but it's Gerson. It's Gerson. Yeah. There it is. It's Gerson. <laughs> there it is. Um, he, he, Gerson is such a special young person. I mean, I, I sound old saying that, but <laughs> so be it. Right. Um, he really, he, he really is. I mean, he, he's extraordinarily articulate, um, and thoughtful in the way that he thinks about his own journey. Mm. Um, but also just the way in which he is open to experience. Um, right. Gerson is somebody that like we listened and we're like, well, you're going to be a leader like that. Yeah, yeah, yes, <laughs> you know? yes, yes, Where exactly. Because <laughs> he's, he's, he has a confidence about him, but also a humility that's really beautiful. Right. Um, so I do recommend that episode because it, that's the thing is like, you know, we have younger people on who are just so much more easily able to be themselves than we were at that age. Yeah. That it, it, it's evidence that something about, you know, this representation that we keep pushing for and that it's getting better and better and wider and wider is making a difference. Right. Def- yeah. Definitely. And, you know, I was thinking about how we talked about, like, there was um, um a huge surge, like, a f- few years ago, like, earlier, um, last decade, where it talked about, like, the millennials are entering the workforce, right? Millennials and, and being, you know, being of that generation, it, it's one of those things where it was like, what does that mean? And it, it ended up meaning that we were like, uh, the way in which work corporate work has been conducted is not conducive to a like a great effective use of our skills so we're going Mm -hmm. to wear what we want to wear we're going to be who we want to be and we're going to work where we want to work and we're still going to get it done because that it doesn't matter that we wear this suit or this dress or and show up and work from this in this building from nine to five you know they're they're we're complex beings and we need to be able to authentically tap into that. And then to take it a step further, being a part of conversations, we're thinking about marketing or creating an environment for Gen Z, right, is what they're calling him. And then the biggest takeaway that of every single meeting I'm in, and a point that I brought up as well, has been the fact that, you know, individuals in the quote unquote Gen Z population, um, oh, I forget the exact stat, but it said either, um, no, um, it was something along the lines of um, a, a higher percentage of individuals either know someone or are themselves transgender, and then and growing population knows someone or is non-binary. So you have to rethink um, how you interact, or not interact, but how you um, the type of experience they have when they come to work, and and it's really of the mind of here's the point that I'm trying to get to, and it's a little clunkier than I meant to, is that. Um, you, the Gen Z group, I guess, if you want to talk about it in that, in that way is saying like, Hey, the way in which you've conducted society and gender norms and these different constructs are not, are not like, they don't resonate. I want to be my authentic self. And so I think in the same way that millennial said this about corporate America, corporate world, Gen Z is saying this about like everything with regards to our lives yes. and how we identify and who we want to be. And it's like, look, we're really stripping it down and saying, we're all human. We're all here. We all want to be the best we can be. Why are we defining what one can and cannot do? You know? Absolutely. And what roles one can and cannot take yes. on. And I think that's that's a huge part of where we're at right now um, that 
is very complicated and remains also very complicated within our own community. I mean, you know, there's not a small amount of infighting that happens within the LGBTQ yeah, community. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, 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 and like, you know, rightfully so, we're all, it, it's ever evolving and everybody is trying to keep up um, and be respectful. And in that process, there's just going to be growing pains. I mean, th- right. how could there not be? Right. Um, but I, I think, you know, what it really comes back to is this idea of challenging roles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I sit there and I'm like, I think so much about the non-binary movement specifically, yeah. um, just because I, I think about my own propensity toward uh, androgyny and playing with my fem- femininity and masculinity that right. has really just been uh, inherent in me and expressed since I was very young. And that I grew up thinking had to be separate. And that sure. the, the marriage of those two things felt very difficult because, of course, everything was was marketed as separate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> boys section and girls section. Yep. And that's how you did it. And, exactly. you know, um, and so undoing all of that programming and going, OK, so where do I where do I fit in? Because now there there are all these different possibilities and like for me I can say you know I still identify as she her you know that that feels authentic to me right but other people coming out and saying you know what I don't those words uh, a binary doesn't doesn't really represent me I think I exist somewhere in the middle even just other people taking that stand have made me feel much more comfortable um, expressing myself in the middle even if I do identify on a binary yes um, so I think it's been it's it's just it's amazing and it's also so there's a reason it's coming against so much resistance because <laughs> <laughs> we as humans really love things in black and white of course it just <laughs> makes things so much easier to understand yep, and yep. categorize good and bad and right. like all of that you know and yep. what this is bringing out and what i think gen z is bringing to the forefront is the gray that has always existed and has mm-hmm. always been the truth right. um not just in gender not just in sexual orientation but in really all facets of life um but the gray that that we as a society have decided to ignore for the sake of ease and assigning people categories to this point yeah um so you know it's a it's a big thing that all of us are 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 up against um yeah. you know it's the very the very fabric of how humans approach life <laughs> right so, yeah exactly uh, yeah 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 but it's fascinating it's yeah. fascinating and i think yeah. i think about the fact about how you know the most interesting stories to me so like i grew up huge comic book fan right and love the superhero stories and um and then you know had a daughter and recognized how very uh misogynistic a lot of that was and how like mm. little little um representation there was for uh not just women but uh women of color or queer mm-hmm. characters or wide variety i feel like in general things are starting to get a little bit better but it's slow but i digress the point is the character the stories i was most drawn to was where it had very complex layers of gray. And so you take a traditional story that's like a good guy, bad guy, and you layer it with like, this is what this quote unquote bad guy's motivations are. This is what this good guy, quote unquote, good guy does, you know, when he hangs up his cape is like, wow, he's not as good as we thought. And he's not as bad as we thought. And there's a lot of gray. And it's like, well, that's because that's how people really are. We're really layered and complex. 
<laughs> yes, I love that you say that. It's so true. Right. Um, I mean, the best stories are ones that, you know, that give you some sort of window into uh, into the bad guy. Or right. That, um, or that in some ways throw the good guy under the bus and show, you know, his flaws or right. her flaws right. as well, you know. Um, it, it's just not interesting to have one-dimensional characters no. because humans are not one-dimensional, <laughs> right. you know. Yeah. Uh, it... it, it, it teaches a very weird way of approaching things which is also why and like I don't know if we're going here in this conversation but it's been let's do it so present in my mind <laughs> lately that I just feel like everything leads to this to this room mm-hmm. um but like it's why also I'm a little bit vexed by what's happening right now in terms of cancel culture because we mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. on the one hand we are moving toward this this gray and this nothing is a fixed point and things are fluid and we have to leave room for different ways of seeing and perspective and different ways right. of being and all of that feels so ideal and great but then on the road to that there's a lot of um upset and anger yeah. and things that are being kicked up uh, in in a lot of ways rightfully so right um but i think that instead of taking that sort of moray of things are gray and multi-dimensional and let's look at people as multi-dimensional beings it 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 doesn't qu- it's not quite translating into the way that we're communicating with each other sure. at least yeah, yeah, online yeah. because we're we're demanding black and white perfection yeah. from people yeah. <laughs> in a way that is so at odds with what we are trying to stand for in, in everything yeah. else so um yeah I, I i've been thinking about this so much lately i'm sorry if i digress no no but. it was good i was um i'm currently um my spouse and i are binging uh mrs america on hulu and oh, yeah. yeah yeah and so um you know we one of the episodes covered betty for dan who wrote uh the feminine mystique uh, i think mm-hmm. that was the title of it uh mm-hmm. yes feminine mystique and I read, so I love reading AV Club for TV reviews because I feel like, you know, I love like a little, like a post show, just re, like dig into the review. And uh, the peop- the individual that's been doing it for Ms. America did a really good job. And um, I believe it was a woman, it's a woman recapper. And she talked about how um, in, because each of these episodes focuses on different characters like Gloria Steinem, Phyllis Schlafly, uh, Betty Friedan and others. Um, and on the Betty episode, because it really focused on her popularity, her rise to fame with with the publish, publication of the book. Um, but the review did a, a fairly deep dive into why it's problematic, um, but also why it has merit. It was very interesting because she said, um, she wrote a little bit about it, and then she linked out to an article, and she said, you should one should read The Feminine Mystique with these four caveats. And you clicked on and it talked about how like it was you know homophobic um in these specific areas you know the quote lavender menace but it also gave a follow-up into how betty Friedan grew as an individual from that um and then it talked about you know she was a um, privileged white woman in these ways and this is what she did and she approached her um her uh, uh my quote unquote mar- or her not quote unquote her marginalized status from this perspective as opposed to a woman of color at the same time and so it went through all of it and said so these parts are problematic for these reasons but at the end of the day here's also why you should read it but you need to read it knowing this about the book and i found like that was the first time i've seen recently a very nuanced approach to 
something that has flaws and has merits and here's how you should approach it like it was it was well done i highly recommend it oh my gosh i love that that is so in line with um the way that I've, I, I I think about things, the way I have been thinking about things lately and what I wanted to see more of in mm-hmm. our dialogue um, on the Internet. And as we and certainly as we approach um, whether it's uh, works of art or um, uh, critical literature like that or anything from our, our history just in general, right. where if you say like, <sighs> If you just trash anything that's problematic, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. I mean, that is just and, – and you're you're getting rid of history. Now, we can go into specifics and sure. say, like, uh, you know, should Confederate statues be up? No, no. We right. Can, I, that feels fairly black and white to yeah. me. Um, if <laughs> yeah. you want to, you know, put them in a museum saying, like – this is what we did for this many years is we allowed these to be up here. Right. You know, isn't that shitty of us? Then, right. like, <laughs> then, then great, right, you know? Right. But like, but you know, there are other ways of capturing that history. But when it comes to just like anything in general, you know, it gets me very uh, nervous. This, well, it's one step away from book burning is like what you start to see. Honestly, like, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Because, it, of course, there are going to be things that are problematic now through our lens because we've evolved. So that's yes. how we're supposed to be as humans. If right. we're not evolving, what is the point? Right. You know, my hope is that our, our all of our hope is, should be that we're getting better and more accepting and more inclusive as we go along. That doesn't mean that everything was bad in the past. It just means that now we can look through a different lens. And right. I, I do think caveats are great. Yes. It's great because then you can you can you can immediately highlight what is not working and then take what does. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, there was um, so I have two points to kind of like follow up because I think this is absolutely fascinating. But um, one of the things that has been fairly problematic um, and that I I have been nervous of voicing publicly. But here we go. um, Is that my favorite author is Ernest Hemingway. And there's a lot wrong there. You know, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's I a love lo- Hemingway. Yeah. Um, you know, he spoke to me like his works and what I was reading spoke to me in a time when I was most vulnerable and really helped with my personal growth and development by reading it. And there was a freight. I read a short or a quote from him that spoke to me. And because there was a couple of places I've been in my life that I've absolutely had a negative association with. And I read a quote from him that he said, I've been to a lot of places some places were better than others, but I was better in some places than others. Oh, yes. And I just went, oh, my God, these places didn't suck. I mean, like, maybe they did in general, but, like, I sucked when I was in them, and I was projecting that on the place I was at. No wonder yes. I have a neg- you know? And so it's those kinds of things that are so eloquent that stick with me that it's like when a person points out, rightly so, problems with the way some of his women characters are represented or like the bullfighting or the hunting or like, there's a lot, there's a lot Mm -hmm. even more there. And I love your special guest audience. Can't see it, but I see a little cat cat and it it makes me super happy. (laughs) Um, Yep. She's, I didn't realize she was still in the room. She snuck by. She's here. I usually have a cat in here with me, but he, um, he didn't make it in before I hastily shut the door. So anyways, um, but but so, and when they point out that like, how can, how can you like Hemingway because of these things? And I say, you know, these mm. items that you're pointing out are flaws and are wrong. Um, and so I need to, I have to approach his works with this caveat in mind and recognize the lens in which I'm viewing it. But I, I get so much from it that I can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's, 
it's difficult. And so to find another work that's very recent that points to this is why something has merit and here's also why you should know everything about it so you're walking in eyes wide open is of utmost importance, I think, for us to to really deconstruct and evaluate what we're consuming and why and does it have merit or is it a Confederate statue that needs to be taken down? Yeah, exactly. Like, it feels like that... I I can't imagine erasing Hemingway because he was I mean I I you know I have an issue with this <laughs> even what I even the phrase I'm about to say is problematic sure. but um you know but erasing Hemingway because he was a product of his time sure. um is is just a it's it's a, it's a waste and you're also definitely not going to learn anything from that right you know yeah I, I, good and bad right. and I I agree like. First of all, as a writer myself, the idea of disposing of Hemingway because he has some problematic themes through today's lens um, is just sad from like a literary standpoint (laughs) because he's an incredible writer and also brought such a unique um, narrative voice that I think was so influential to many writers that came afterwards that just from like an an anatomical standpoint, um, his work needs to be out there um so that's that's another way of looking at it too um but i but i feel you i mean i i also struggle with this i mean god have we ever struggled so much with this as when me me too came around like immediately uh oh geez my kevin spacey was uh, my favorite actor for a whole long time yep (laughs) (laughs) and then and then that that kind of i kind of had to say bye bye Um, that said you know i can still watch seven and be like damn he's brilliant right you know but like (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i I don't have to you know i don't i don't have to actively support the continuation of his career now Uh, you know unless he were to somehow prostrate himself before his victims so anyway but that's like you know what i mean like (laughs) like there's there's a, there's a way to balance this, but it's funny that you bring up um, Hemingway and specifically authors and certain things that are being br- brought up that are problematic about them. You know, it, this relates directly to LGBTQ community stuff and the wonderful infighting that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a huge debate around J.K. Rowling right now. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, the, for those of you who don't know, um, the author of Harry Potter. And I am a massive Harry Potter fan. I mean, yeah. like yeah. in in a way I I have a I have a Harry Potter tattoo on my arm. Yeah. Um so and not in like I have been a fangirl way it 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 was uh I reread the books when I was 30 uh shortly after my sister died. Mm. And it was they were instrumental in allowing me to process my grief. Sure. Um and I, in many ways, owe my life to those books. Yeah. And having been able to get through that um, and come out the other side of it. And so this idea that some people within the community are suggesting, because J.K. Rowling has said um, or holds some transphobic uh, opinions. Right. Some people in the community are saying, if you continue to, to, to read Harry Potter, you're transphobic. And... I'm like that can't that can't that can't be. You right. can, this, this is we need to be able. That's like saying if you listen to any Michael Jackson song, you're a child molester. Like right. it, it, yeah. what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. And and it, it does come down to, of course, that that debate of you know 
when art is put out there, who owns it? Is it still owned by the artist or does the audience then have some ownership of it once it is out in the world? You know, and that's a whole other debate in and of itself. But but I think, again, you you, you have to be able to look at the whole person yeah. and say, I disagree potentially with the, this person's beliefs about this thing. Right. Um, and look at their experience and say, okay, this is, this is their experience in the world. And right. for whatever reason, this is the conclusion that they've come to. And I may disagree with them on that, but they also wrote this story that has profoundly affected me as a person and an artist. And I don't think that that should get thrown out because I disagree with this part of them. Right. I don't know. Yeah. You uh, know, I mean, this is, um, so I, in college I got a I double majored in theater and theology and so that's an idea of what my background in life was like um and oh that's awesome in theology yeah theology <gasps> and theater that's yeah exciting. so oh my gosh well we should t- we could have a whole conversation about that my alternate career in my brain is as a minister really oh my god yes well you're we don't <laughs> have nearly enough time so I'm already gonna say <laughs> let's let's reconnect let's schedule for another episode so we can sure. like part two of this but um Great. Uh, I feel like Will Ferrell. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> we did. Yep, yep. Um, and so, uh, but it was, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I taught, I, I was very fortunate in that, even though I went to a very small Southern Baptist Christian private college, that the professors I got were some of the most progressive, like, theologian professors I've ever met in my entire life. Um, wow. And I just think I was very blessed in that I had this <laughs> I had this old professor who had tenure who clearly didn't care anymore in a very good way. And he just said, I'm going to teach you all the things they don't want you to know because they want you to have a very narrow-minded view of the scriptures. And I think you need to question everything and let's do it. Mm-hmm. And so from writing a page or a 30-page paper on one passage of scripture from the Apocrypha that I'd never read in my entire life was fascinating um but i and more and more and more with other professors and i digress but they taught me look at the context and like they said whenever you're making a claim on a piece of scripture as your foundation you need to look at what was the context of which the author lived in that they were writing like who were their audience of course you wouldn't look at like let's take Hemingway you wouldn't take what Hemingway wrote then and apply it everything immediately right now no you can't exactly you can't so he was like, look at the, they were like, look at the context, figure out what was the core message of what the author was trying to convey. And then you can extrapolate that core message and belief and apply it in the appropriate way today. Amen. No pun intended. Right. Amen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and no. people don't do that. I mean, there's the, the scripture in the New Testament where you have a lot of these conservative churches that quote Paul saying women shouldn't speak up in church. Well, let's peel that back and say, what was he saying? He was talking to a very specific group of women who were in the church who all they were doing all day long was gossiping, spreading, you know, they were sipping tea while they were sipping and sitting in church and they were airing dirty laundry and they were being destructive. And what Paul was saying is don't, you shouldn't gossip. You shouldn't bring that into this place. You're trying to be better people. Stop being destructive and bringing others down. He wasn't saying literally, if you're a woman, shut up, you know, I mean, that's not what he was saying. And 
And it's like he was saying it to everybody, but specifically these like five, six, seven women that he was looking at when he was writing. I mean, it's very like, let's extrapolate that and say this is the core message, not, all right, women, you go over there and you be quiet while the men talk. Like, that's just of course, utterly and ridiculous. You, and like the idea, well, I mean, you know, that of course comes down to, to, to going, well, do you believe that the... You know, the Bible was the hand of God or was it interpreted by humans right. who have, you know, human biases and, and human experiences? <laughs> right. um, you know, right. the, the, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, right. But, but I, I, I so agree. I mean, I think about it often um, insofar as like the Constitution is concerned. Right. Yes. And yeah, so yeah, many yes. constitutional yes. things and, and disagreements and um, debates that come up is I'm like, I constantly am sort of hitting my head against a wall being like, how do we keep pretending that we're go- not going to look at any of these things in the context in which they are written, the like specifically the Second Amendment is oh, something right, that right, I have right. an, an issue with. But you know, when you think about like, were they really thinking about AK forty sevens when they no. wrote that? You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, yeah. like, like come they couldn't on. conceive I mean, of that, wh- right? No, they couldn't. Con- so without context. You, it's it's impossible to accurately um, judge and uh, and um, translate something yeah. yes. really. You know, absolutely. Yeah, context is everything. I mean, yes. And you can you can find if you're talking religion, or you're talking constitution, or you're talking literature, you're talking one person's rant on social media. You can find mm-hmm. anything to support a bias that you have. Of course. And by looking at the root cause of why are some why why are you individual person A saying this? Where are you when you're saying it? What are you going through? What's going on in your world? Okay, now let's look back a little bit. How were you raised? What was your upbringing? Who was around you? Like I mean, like all of these things go in to make us complex creatures um, that are not either good or bad. We're multi-layered, and you know you talk about. kind of the infighting kind of bringing that back to the lgbtq Mm -hmm. plus community and one of the things that i've been focused on a lot um with a lot of the different work and stuff that i do at work um is about uh allyship and this idea of i think traditionally one thinks that if we're just talking about say the queer community and street folks um typically allyship has been defined as um the straight people over here support all members of the community which is great right but there is allyship opportunities within the community. Um, gay white men can support uh, trans women of color. They can be allies to them, you know, and then yes. um, lesbian women can be allies to a queer, f- queer non-binary folks of color or, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of, yes, we, we get so, and I think it's because, and I, and I, and I, I truly believe it's not from a negative place for the most part. I think it's truly because the fight was so we're all together. We're all pushing forward for so long. And for a lot of these people, it's been this way since Stonewall and before that it's, it's difficult. You know, it's easy to be like, well, yes, we've accomplished so much without stepping back and realizing, Oh, my, my accomplishments mean that I have progressed this far in society. Whereas my, you know, siblings in the community are back here and I haven't stopped to realize where we are. And so I get mad because you're telling me there's an even bigger fight. And I'm saying, no, we've got marriage equality. We've got this, we've got that. Why are you still upset? And it's like, well, because I'm a black trans woman in Texas and you are Mm -hmm. a white gay man in on Broadway. And so our, our 
our uh, situations look different. And, and so I think that's something that we, there's a lot of work to do in general. And I think also by straight folk allies recognizing that allyship is multi-layered will then allow them to start having conversations with different members of the community differently. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's so easy. The, you know, LGBTQ uh, just sort of rolls off the tongue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, and now, of course, saying like queer is a, is a beautiful catch all, which right. I love. Um, right. You know, it does uh, <laughs> it does sort of erase like the different um, the many, many different shades under right. all of that. Right. Not just under the uh, not just each letter and how each letter is different and has its own uh, challenges within right. each of those communities. But then within each of those communities, there's a whole lot of other intersectional elements. Um, so it is it's just very, very multilayered. And, you know, going uh, piggybacking on what you were saying. Um, oh, dear. What? Oh, you said something that was so good. It was so good. <laughs> um, damn. I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. It was it was it was about um, we're talking about allyship and um uh, oh yes oh yes oh yes okay so we were all yeah it's like it's like we've all been you know on the same road trip together you know going to this place and just trying to get there you know trying to everybody just keep your arms in the vehicle right. and drive straight and don't don't veer off the path and just keep your head down and shut up you know right, and we're right. all just gonna get there together it's it is that it has been that that has been um part of the of, of I think why some people get confused about wait I thought we got there already right you know um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's there's that but then I it's also because and I, I talk about this a lot um, insofar as merit the marriage equality fight mm-hmm. was concerned which I was very involved in even as a young person um, I was out there all the time uh, protesting for that so I Part of what happened in that fight, and this was reflected in so many different steps along the way of the um, of, of for just gay rights in general, was we were trying so hard to fit into what society already said was okay instead of questioning the institutions themselves sure so we were going like no 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 look look we're just like you we're just like you we're just like you and and we we just want to be a part of everything that you got set up already right versus saying you know what what you've got set up already is really leaving a lot of people out yeah and not not just people who love differently than you but people who look different than you people who come from different cultures and backgrounds than you do there is inequity all over the place and all of that affects our community because we have all of that within our community right so you know i sometimes and i I recognize that's kind of the way that progress i don't know if it has to be but it certainly is the approach that people have taken you know you talk about mrs america and the idea of you know um the lavender menace like the right. leaving behind of the lesbians because yeah. you're like no, no no we need women's rights you guys are distracting you, yeah. you're gonna think we're you know whatever just all lesbians and you know so it's you, you can do this like through so many different movements over time of kind of saying no no, no we need to be the purest quote-unquote version right, right? the yeah, most yeah, yeah. acceptable version in order to make progress and i don't know if that's true or if that's just the way that we have always gone about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the issue with that is that it doesn't question the beliefs at their core. Right. The the inherent beliefs and institutions that actually 
uh, make it so that people can't be who they are and be treated equally um, right. just from the outset. Right. You know, I think we're seeing so much of that now happening. Yeah. Right. These yep. things where, you know, everyone's saying, oh, we just want to go back to normal. And you're like, remember how normal is also right. police getting away with murders? Yeah. <laughs> of of mean, unarmed black people. Remember truly, how that? Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, it's um, it's so. <laughs> I mean, having these conversations in in the midst of a global pandemic and then now also with um, a research what what feel let me quote it this way what feels like a resurgence in racial profile and killing but truly i think it's just a resurgence in coverage of it i don't think anything yes. ever changed so i'll mm -hmm. just put that put it in that way but say doing all of this and then thinking through and having conversations with folks that look and sound like me um and they're saying when are we going to get back to normal and then saying we're not go well first number one we're not going to go back to the way things were no matter <laughs> no. what like m like masks are part of our lives social distancing like all this stuff like it, these things are here to stay um mm -hmm. and then second of all what got us here in whether it's the uh police killings the global pandemic trump everything in between um what got us here is what was before. So let's not go back to how things were and let's use this opportunity and this momentum to say enough is enough. Let's make a better tomorrow. I didn't want to do, you know, it's like <laughs> I didn't want to yes. buy a new well, car, but my car broke down. So now I got to do it. Absolutely. I mean, I hate to say like it took a pandemic, but right. like it took a pandemic yeah. in some ways. I mean, you know, I, I remember like the night of the election in 2016. Mm. Oh, man, who doesn't? Mm. Um, mm -hmm. But like I remember my husband was just or my then boyfriend, now husband was so he was waiting outside the the our friend's house where uh, we were going to watch the the election he'd gotten there before me and he couldn't even go inside yet without me because he was so jittery and anxious about mm. what was going to happen yeah and i had to have like a little pep talk with him beforehand <laughs> to try yeah. to calm him down <laughs> and not because i thought hillary was necessarily going to win the truth is i didn't know but i said look if he wins i think we have to trust that it's because, you know, <sighs> we had a financial crash in 2008 and uh, no one in charge of it went to jail. Yeah. Like we did, we, we, this like he, person who just embodies elitism and racism and all of the things that we have let fester and in, in economic inequality, everything, who embodies every bit of that, that we have let fester to this point and we haven't punished properly and we haven't moved on from. Um, if that person is in office, it's, it's because things need to get worse in order to get better because they need to, we need to hit rock bottom. Like yeah. talking like, you know, like, um, like recovering alcoholics. Yeah. Like we got to hit rock yeah. bottom in order to actually make these changes. Yeah. And it's, it is interesting. I've been thinking about that a lot recently because this year feels like if this isn't, I mean, certainly it can always get worse, but, yeah. uh, this, I feel like has been a big wake up call for a lot of people. Yeah. It really has. And I just feel like, yeah. like I was, um, I was having the conversation with someone, um, the other day and I, and I was talking about how 
the Black Lives Matter movement and the this this message and this focus on there needs to be change, a fundamental change, is not new. It's been around like it's been around for a long time. Um, you know, I mean, was it the New York Times podcast sixteen nineteen? I mean, like it's been it's been around. But I mean, mm -hmm. the, the visibility of like organizing under Black Lives Matter movement has been a couple of years. So even that is not brand new. But what is new is you're finally seeing people step off of the sidelines, no longer being what I call a passive ally and actually taking action and recognizing that it's going to take all of us together to make a better tomorrow. And I think previously yeah. the thought from white people um specifically i'll speak to them since i am one um the idea was like well if i'm just shutting up and letting others speak and stepping out of the way and not saying the wrong thing that's good enough but it's like well but the people that believe the opposite aren't sitting back and being quiet they're still yes. out there yes and that but and that again goes back around um to why you know why we really, really need to rein in cancel culture um, yeah. because people are also afraid of saying the wrong thing in, or in, in right. for fear of being canceled. Right. Um, it's a it is directly related to that. You know, sometimes it's fear of other things, and sometimes it's just um, uh, passivity and or apathy or whatever. But they're really I can't tell you how many people are like I just am totally afraid of being canceled right. for saying the wrong thing versus being you know like gently called out and said hey 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 i see what your intention is here this is not the best way to go about it can we can you adjust your language or your approach here right you know we that's how we all learn yep. you know we we absolutely have to it doesn't mean we're talking over people right it's that we're we're supporting with our voices right and being willing to put ourselves out there and make mistakes and then get back up and keep supporting right and then you know as someone who gets corrected the job is to say oh thank you for that feedback i get it no yes. worries we can adjust it let's move on absolutely and then, yes and then, instead of saying oh my god i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and i think from one's perspective that is like, well, if I over, like if I want them to know, I feel really bad. It's like, right. Well they do. But now you've like, you've turned it into where it's now about you. And now they, they feel awkward and uncomfortable and now yes. they don't want to correct you again. And so you're not going to grow. They're not going to grow. Nothing changes. So a little bit of advice mm -hmm. is when you step into that space, no, I'm going to get corrected and I'm going to get um, things wrong and just accept the feedback. Or if I recognize, correct myself, say, I'm sorry, they said, and then move on whatever it is absolutely it's you know it's interesting i i saw and actually lauren and i brought this up on on a, a couple episodes ago on the podcast uh when we were covering exclusively black lives matter mm -hmm. um so it's we, a well done episode by the way uh, oh thank you yeah we were like we had all these episodes in the can <laughs> for pride month and we were like none of this is gonna work right yep. now oh i hear you <laughs> there's no i hear you there was just abs yeah there was just no way it yep. was like okay we can bring that stuff later with some caveats of like right. this was recorded a while ago yeah um but but yeah we we absolutely you know you know you yep. just had, there, there was nothing <laughs> else happening that was it we had to address it we wanted exactly. to it was but it was it was it was good for us too because it forced us to you know of course do research and um help other people find resources and things too and um one of the things that i i ran across that was so helpful and relates to what you're saying um was 
a thread on Twitter from a black woman who was talking about how to um, best reach out to your black friends during this time. Mm-hmm. And she specifically said, she said a couple things. She said, please don't just ask how we're doing. Make the assumption that it's not great yeah. and that it takes more labor for us to try to explain that and put all of this into words than, uh, than it should. Yeah. And, you know, being able to just say to your friend, hey, I, I imagine this is an extremely difficult time for you and I want you to know that I, I am 100% supporting you and if there is anything that you need uh, and you want from me, I, I am here and I will be doing everything that I can in my own power um, to help you right. and to help the community. Uh, and, and, and then sending them maybe a fun, funny meme to cheer them up, you know, right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and to me as someone who has dealt with such intense grief, it, it res, it was like, Oh my God, that's what you do with someone who's grieving. Yeah. That is what you that, do. Yeah. Is the worst thing you can do is say nothing. Yeah. The worst thing you can yep. do. And like, I remember, you know, it was always so hard when someone said, how are you doing? I'm like, well, my sister just died. I'm like, how do you horrible. think, asshole? Like, <laughs> how do you yeah. think I'm doing? <laughs> yeah. But I, but I also was like, okay, I, I, I appreciate you saying something. I just right. wish it hadn't been that, but I appreciate it, you know? Right. But like the people who said, I have no idea what to say right now. This is just the worst thing. And I'm just, I love you and I'm here for you. And if there is anything you need, I am here in an instant. Mm-hmm. And to me, that that was the absolute best thing. They didn't need to know what to say. Right. They just needed to say something. Right. Exactly. You know? Well, we yeah. are getting, it's, I can't believe the time has flown by so much. There's so many other things, <laughs> but that's okay. That's why we're going to bring you back. So um, it Yay! works. It works, <laughs> it works out. But I think that's a good place to kind of, in the main conversation and if you have um before we transition to the last segment of the show if there's one piece of parting advice for folks who want to raise a more inclusive um a more inclusive world by starting at home with their children um or just start if they don't even have children just starting amongst themselves what's a like one little parting piece of advice you would give them um, oh man, it's so hard because I don't have kids. Sure. Um, that said, that said, I, my husband and I are, are planning to have kids sometime in okay. the next, you know, short while. Sure. Um, so <laughs> these are conversations that we, we have had and that I have had with my friends in the queer community. And I would say that just being as open as possible or introducing them to, um, to, to activities, to uh, toys, to games, to things that have been gendered in the past, but don't have to be assigned to whatever gender your kid identifies mm, as. That's good. You know, yeah. really yep. letting them just explore and introducing them to things, you know, yep. because if they just watch TV or whatever, they'll probably still like the girl will pick up the doll and the boy will pick up the truck. And like, yeah. that's what that's still where we're at. Um, and that's not wrong. That's not wrong at all. Right, right. But it's more about giving the options. Yes. And going, hey, here's a doll and here's a truck. Play with either. 
Right. Do whatever. Yeah. You know? Exactly. That's what I would say. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, we are now going to uh, go into my favorite segment of the episode. It's the dad joke of the week. It is a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guest in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans. But I can't hear my audience. I can only hear my guest. So it works out. Um, but before I get started, I always like to put my guest on the spot. Nicole, do you have any jokes you would like to offer up today? Holy crap. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> I intentionally don't prepare people. <laughs> I am not a comedian. Um, I am not a comedian. I, 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 I I'm going to think of ten jokes after we get of off course. of well, here. I already know. That. Write them down for next time. So, um, <laughs> okay, I'm doing something a little bit different this time. So instead of uh, I'm doing um I'm trying a, a little uh, a two line joke. So here we go. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so I think this one ties into our uh, theology talk earlier, but uh, Nicole, okay. uh, the Lord said unto John, come forth and you will receive eternal life. But John came fifth and won a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Oh, so relevant. <laughs> that was good. Uh, so, Nicole, I, want, I wanted to let you know that I threw a boomerang a few years ago. Um, okay. I now live in constant fear because it hasn't come back. Okay, all right. Oh, Jesus. Wah, wah. I got it. I got it. All right, all right. I got it. <laughs> all right, all right. Last one. Here we go. Um, uh, Nicole, uh, you don't need a parachute to go skydiving, but you do need a parachute to go skydiving twice. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> well, Nicole, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you can follow me directly at Nicole Pacent. It's uh, N-I-C-O-L-E-P-A-C-E-N-T um, on either Twitter or Instagram. I'm doing more Twitter these days, but then I like go off of it because it scares me and it's sure. a lot. <laughs> but I do Instagram a lot more. Um, I'm much more active on there. Uh, you can also follow our podcast, Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole, at Coming Out Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And it's actually reversed there. Twitter, we are active like crazy because Lauren is addicted to it. Um, so there you go. Perfect. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And if you're looking for somebody to follow that is very active and very good on Twitter, I do have to recommend uh, the guest that's coming on next week. Uh, their name is Casey Callender, and they are the author of this fantastic book called Felix Ever After. So we'll be talking about that book. Very excited. They are uh, fantastically active and always have great perspectives online. So check it out. Um, we do need a hashtag for this episode. Uh, Nicole, should we go with hashtag coming out pod? Or hashtag coming out or... Yeah, hashtag coming out pod. Let's do it. Yeah. Do All it. right. Well, Nicole, thank you again so much for being on. I truly thank appreciate you. it. This was <laughs> amazing. I could talk to you all day. I know. Wow. I love it. Oh, <laughs> wish we had five hours. It's fantastic. I know. Um, but uh, until listeners, I'll be back next week, as I said, with another great episode. Uh, until next time, hashtag coming out pod and hashtag Ooh. be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>